0: All right, you know it's amazing to me that you know my God has a sense of humor. He really does, and and he will pick the most unlikely ways to get my attention and to just uh, help me to maybe reevaluate the way I think. I came back from the vet today, and well, actually I went to the vet on Tuesday and everything was fine, but he wanted to do some kind of combo test on my two new kittens. Um, who were born on Easter, and I named Mary and Joseph, the little black and white girl and the little gray boy. Took them to the vet on Tuesday, and the vet said, hmm, well, Joseph is definitely a boy, but I'm not sure about Mary yet. Okay, well, maybe, you know, it's just too early to tell. I get a call from him yesterday saying, I I need to run another like thing, a combo test on them since their mother was an alley cat. You know, I rescued these kittens. So the mother was uh, a street cat. And he said, you know, sometimes in the bloodstream, the the babies will pick up these uh, feline leukemias and things like that. So I want to rule any of that out. Can you bring them back in today? And I'll do a quick blood test. So uh, I said, "Of course, of course." I went racing over. I went to the jail, and when I finished, I went racing over to the vets. And um, he—he's—he's he's the younger of the two vets, the uh, father and son. And so he said, "Dad, I want you to come in and just you know take a look at this uh, kitten because we're still not sure." And you know, he's already whatever, almost three months old. And uh, take a look at the kitten, tell me what you think. And so he comes back out, and I go, "Well, is." Uh, is is Mary Mark? And he goes, uh, yeah, uh, Mary's Mark, but sort of. I said, what do you mean, but sort of? I got a transgendered kitten. Yeah, my, my, my kitten doesn't have like, uh, his, uh, his parts are not uh, down or descended or whatever they say is the term with a male cat who's still kind of like in a transgendered state. It serves me right, right? I should be much more understanding about the issue, so. And uh, now, and now, I, if this remains true, and the uh, the, the testicles don't descend, I got to get a specialist to <laughs> neuter this cat. Uh, you know, to the best laid plans, right? I was trying to do the right thing, rescue some kittens, and before you know it, uh, I'm going to be in hock. No, just kidding. But it's uh, I just I have to laugh. I just have to laugh. I mean, I don't even know if I've never heard of such a thing. You know, a crypto something he called it. I don't know. You know, maybe it's, uh, I I got a, what what do they call it um, when they have both genders at the same time? That, whatever that is. (laughs) Apparently I got the the one kitten on earth who is uh, like out of Fellini's satiricon. But uh, again, you know, life is just full of amazing moments and challenges and just when the older cat Who we call scaredy cat because she's scared of everything. Just when she was starting to get used to these two little fellas, she was actually letting them come near her and stuff. I had to bring them home traumatized because the vet was, you know, checking out their body parts, and that can't be pleasant. It's got to be like going to the proctologist or, in my case, getting a mammogram like I did this week where, you know, it just hurts, okay? Anyway, I did want to, before I forget, I have Leland Vitter coming on. I also have uh, Jenna Haig, who's running for uh, the the state uh, seat, and I wanted to make sure both of them get on today. But I got a sort of a, a, it's not an emergency, but it is important. The Honor Flight, Southeast Florida, needs guardians. And they're looking for people who either were guardians in the past and want to do it again, or are new guardians for their fall flights, which are approaching quickly. One is in September, uh, Saturday, the 17th of September. One is Saturday, the 5th of November. And it's a lifetime experience. You get to escort veterans to Washington, D.C. for their honor flight. You have to be between the ages of 18 and 70. You have to be able to push a, uh, a person in a wheelchair up to 250 pounds for a mile. And you can complete the application online. You've got to do it by July 20th for the September flight and by September 20th for the November flight. And then you'll take some mandatory Guardian training on Saturday, August 27th at 8.30 a.m. and Saturday, October 22nd, same time. And Guardian applications can be found at the website it's Honor Flight, S-E-F-L. That's Southeast Florida, Honor Flight, S-E-F-L.org. And uh, it'll lead you to the Be a Guardian page. Um, the Guardian donation is $400. That pays for your flight and your meals and your hat and your bag. Um, but don't, don't send money until you are contacted by the Guardian coordinator confirming that you have a place on a flight. You know, my dear friend, Anthony, has been a guardian a number of times and he you know first got involved in this i don't know if it was through my show or he got me involved in it whatever it is we have a long history with honor flight and uh, i I would like to make sure that people in my audience who are capable and able to do this consider it seriously it is um, an amazing experience i've been on an honor flight and it's just amazing to sit with these brave warriors. There are not many World War II warriors left. Uh, There's still a handful, but the uh, Vietnam and and certainly the Korean War veterans are now up in age, and this may be their only chance to see the memorials in D.C. You fly up to D.C., you spend the whole day there. It's a phenomenal experience. It is absolutely life-changing, in my opinion, and it'll give you a whole um, new respect for the sacrifice, the many sacrifices that have been made by the men and women who serve in the United States military. So I hope you'll consider that as uh, something you might want to look into. Um, it's rare that they have to ask for volunteers. They usually have a plethora. But you know, COVID and, and everything else has just uh, literally changed everything about the. all these organizations are struggling to get back to, to regular running, and uh, I don't want Honor Flight to be one of them, so if you can, go to that website. It's honorflightsefl.org, and see if uh, you would like to get involved in this organization. I know you would. It's just an incredible organization, and anybody who's ever been on an Honor Flight will tell you it is absolutely life-changing. Anyway, um, a lot to talk about today. I I woke up this morning and I thought, how much more embarrassed can I possibly get by the man who is uh, President of the United States? And it never ceases to to amaze me. If he's not, you know, sniffing some kid's hair, he is, uh, you know, performing some sort of uh, verbal gymnastics that are literally confusing everybody. Who is forced to be around him? He doesn't seem to know where he is half the time. It's very, very distressing, and the whole world is watching right now. But I have some other things I need to talk about. I can't constantly talk about what a you know half but president we have. I was at a a uh, meeting last night for the Kings Point Republican Club, and I introduced a speaker. Uh, she'd been on my show, Kathy Chamberlain, and of course, she is the uh, the. I guess she she calls herself the campaign commando or commander for Jeremy Brown, who is running for the state house from jail. He is incarcerated because he was present at the 9, 6, whatever it is, January 6th rally and was asked to do something by the FBI and refused to do it. He's a Green Beret because you may not be active, but you're once a Green Beret, always a Green Beret. And uh, and he's a man of dignity, and uh, I can't believe that this is this is actually happening to him. But it it just it grieves my spirit when you serve your country and then your country turns its back on you, and that's what is exactly happening in this instance. So um, you know, just keep him in your prayers. Send money if you can to his campaign, and find out more about it. Um, you can go to Facebook and and look for uh, Jeremy Brown, and it, it's it's just, it's one of those stories where you scratch your head like I did with Michael Behenna and then you get convicted, and you say, I've got to make this right. And I'm hopeful that many of the people who were at this meeting last night are going to do just that. There's a press conference being held in Clearwater right now, I think, as we speak, and I'll find out more about that and report on it tomorrow. But uh, in the meantime, I did want to... Uh, break on time. I want to get out of this segment a little bit early because I have Leland Vitter coming on in just a little while and I got a lot to say. So uh, stay right where you are. Don't touch that dial. All right and uh, welcome back. You know I have an interesting guest on right now. He is the host of On Balance with Leland Vitter on News Nation and uh, was always one of my favorite um weekend hosts Uh, i watched them all the time and then suddenly you disappeared leland and i was very sad
1: how are you doing (laughs) well i i reappeared joyce and i'm glad to be with you
0: yes i'm glad to have you and i you know i was reading a a piece that was on news nation now the website about the idea that we have allowed the mainstream media to focus on every mass shooting, but they refuse to give us any information when it comes to shootings that don't line up with the let's take everybody's gun away uh, scenario. What are you discovering?
1: Well, we, we just thought it was important to point out that the coverage decisions made by huge news organizations speak to what their priorities are. And clearly... Uh, as evidenced by how the CNNs and MSNBCs of the world and even the the major networks covered the shooting in Highland Park, uh, spoke volumes. It was all about how many people were dead. Well, it turns out that very same weekend, 30 miles south, more people were shot and killed, but they weren't white, upper-middle-class professionals. They were people who lived on the south and west sides of Chicago, and they clearly didn't get anywhere near the amount of coverage and I, I think both of those deserve deserve coverage I mean I thought one of the, should rightly pointed out uh, the difference in those decisions
0: right and it's just it's a political matter because what they want us to understand is that they think guns are the culprit in a case where you have uh, you know the Highland Park shooter for whatever his demented reason was Um it, they want us to see that gun is the problem there, but apparently the gun is not the problem in these cities like Chicago, which is just, uh, you know, would you say 30 miles away from Highland Park? And in sure. Chicago, those guns are illegal, uh, you know, that are shooting these, these young kids walking to school, these kids getting their hair braided, sitting on the couch. That we're not allowed to talk about because, of course, it doesn't play into the gun, gun control scenario.
1: It's interesting that you would bring this up, because specifically about the gun issue, when you're talking to the Democratic leadership in uh, Chicago, they say guns are the problem here, too, right? Mm. Um, that if only, if only there weren't guns, then the gangbangers wouldn't engage in shootouts with each other, uh, which is preposterous, because the bad guys always find a way to get guns, and Tim Fox, the DA in Chicago, or Kim Gardner in St. Louis, or... Uh, George Gascon in uh, Los Angeles, or
2: uh, uh, Larry
1: Krasner in Philadelphia, or whatever prosecute felons in possessions have done. Mm. But it goes back to this this constant narrative that it is the inanimate object, which is the problem, not the uh, perpetrator. And we know that uh, because just north of Chicago, north of Highland Park, there was a man who drove a car through a parade route, um, clearly had some... Mental health issues, but also some political leanings, and was angry about white people, and drove through a Christmas parade, and we didn't hear anything about banning cars.
0: No, and and I think you brought up an interesting point um, on on balance, where you said there's a mass shooting of Black Americans going on every single day in this in this country. I mean, I have a kid who lives in L.A., I have a kid who lives in Baltimore, a niece who lives in Baltimore, another a daughter in. Uh, Detroit. And black people are slaughtered every weekend in these cities, and we don't get a lot of coverage about it. As a matter of fact, if I bring it up, I'm told that it's racist to talk about it.
1: We don't really care what anybody calls our coverage. We just cover the news. And the fact that there's been an enormous uptick in violence that has disproportionately affected the African-American community uh, and the poor community really is a story and needs to be a story, and why this has been uh, happening is a, huge, uh, is a huge story. And I think you're, uh, one of the issues we covered and are covering tonight is the recall of uh, George Gascone in Los Angeles, and we've got the recall of the prosecutor in uh, San Francisco as well, that there's beginning to be this backlash, but putting the genie back in the bottle is going to take a very long time. Mm. And
0: George Soros has unlimited resources, and while we're concentrating on those two West Coast cities, there are DAs popping up in New York and in Philadelphia that all have the same agenda, this sort of social justice warriors that end up hurting the very population that they say they're champions for.
1: That, I think, is the most interesting part, right, because one thing that we've tried to do with our coverage of this is explain what their motivations are, which is they think that uh, the justice system is racist. Therefore, if you don't enforce the laws that we have, it's an anti-racist agenda. And that is what they were elected on. And in the case of the Philadelphia DA Larry Krasner, he was reelected. So it, it, there's that's happening. Um, what I think is really fascinating is the complete lack of intellectual curiosity by the, by the, the newspapers in these towns, and especially by the television stations and then the larger networks in these towns, to draw the connection directly between the felons who are being let out uh, of jail with no bail uh, and being put back on the streets after being arrested with uh, firearms charges, who then go off and reoffend. We did an investigation in Albuquerque and found that there were six people who the DA there actually asked to have be remanded. Uh, to jail was let out because of lax bail laws who went on to commit murder. Mm.
0: And I think that that we have to, you know, make note that they generally the perpetrators are part of the protected class. I mean, it took how long, a month and six days to find out that the person who raped a 10 year old was an illegal immigrant. Um, why? Because we're not allowed to talk about illegal immigration in any way except favorably. And yet, you know, that was used as a cudgel against pro-life people for you know even by the president of the United States. We didn't even know if it was a true story. And and yet the perpetrator had been, they had actually identified him a month ago. Like, what is that all about?
1: That story, I think, is an interesting an interesting one. I, I Look, I, I covered the Jesse Smollett case extensively, and one of our guests made the point that the real victim in the Jesse Smollett case was going to be the next person who was the victim of what seemed to be a sensational crime, and they were going to be questioned. And that's what happened um, with the Ohio rape case. I, 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 we, we looked at uh, both Fox News' coverage and some other coverage in The Wall Street Journal, who, who sort of assumed it wasn't true until proven that it was.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm not sure that's the right way to go about this either. There's nothing wrong with skeptical journalism, but I think when it becomes advocacy journalism, um, which both Fox and the Wall Street Journal editorial page engaged in, um, it's interesting now, and I think pretty embarrassing for the journal at least, that they had to put uh, a note on their editorial that said that this was a, a tall tale uh, now saying, oh, by the way, somebody was arrested, it's absolutely true.
0: Yeah. But I, I think that it, that there were some journalists who were asking the question, because the question really was, if this happened, where is the charges against the rapist? Because th- that question, you know, for, for four weeks I kept asking that question and nobody knew. You know, we can't identify the juvenile because it's, uh, you know, it's against the, the law. To, to identify her So they can't be questioned But you know, now we find out That they knew all along Who perpetrated this crime That it was reported At the time it took place So, you know, again right. I,
1: I, 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 I'm not, I don't know if I Believe in some cover-up By Ohio authorities um, And I certainly You know, you think about The fact that the Attorney General said He didn't know anything About this case And said he looked into it It, it seemed very real It mm-hmm. was Working its way through the legal process, I don't think that the the cover-up of the illegal alien was somehow a hide-the-ball situation by the Columbus Police Department.
0: No, that's Um, not what I'm saying. I'm saying the media... Didn't even ask the question. The mainstream media—they didn't say, "Well, if this rape took place, where is the arrest of the rapist?" They just ran with the "Oh, we need Roe v. Wade to be reinstated or codified into law." They weren't even curious about who perpetrated this horrific crime against
1: a nine-year-old. Uh, we were—we were asking that question. I saw the Columbus Dispatch, uh, the mm-hmm. newspaper there, asked asked those questions. In fact. They were the only one with a reporter at the at the arrest. i, I sure everyone uses it as a political weapon on, on both sides. And I thought how sad it is that a 10 year old becomes a poster child mm-hmm. um, for for something like this and sort of their story becomes exploited. But I I, I I really I have a hard time doing media criticism as a as a journalist. Um, we make me. lousy media critics, <laughs> but I'm not sure that the, the blame lies in anybody other than those who got a little too far over their skis for questioning the veracity of the story.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, listen, you know, I, I, I've spent 32 years looking at the reportage of news in this country on the air, and it was always troubling how biased the news was. But in the last six years, it's insane. Um, there, there are uh, nothing but activist journalists on both sides at this point I cannot trust the news the way I did when I was you know, a young adult And listening to the likes of Walter Cronkite And I didn't even know what his political persuasion was until the Vietnam War uh, Today, it's everybody wears it on their shirt I'm a conservative, I'm a liberal uh, and, you know, and I'm just supposed to believe that they're giving me fair and balanced news I, I, I don't
1: no, I, I. there's there's no question that you now have to question the motivations of everybody. It's one of the things we really try hard hard to do here is, is tell stories that are inconvenient to the narratives of both sides. If you watch one form of cable news, it's narratives that are always convenient to one side and inconvenient to the other. Same with the other side of that equation. And with us, we just sort of try to, to give everybody a hard time and – and bring out the inconvenient narratives for both sides which we think there's a real market for and people like you and your listeners who want real news and want want to critically examine things whether it's good or bad for your own political persuasions or who we're trying to reach
0: right And for my listeners who were interested in watching Leland, you can find out what channel he's on, what channel News Nation is on in your area. You just go to the website newsnationnow.com. And they have a whole channel finder. You just type in. I think I think I typed in my uh, my zip code, and they immediately told me whether I was on you know Dish or Direct TV or whatever, Comcast, Broward County, AT and Verse. They'll tell you what channel to watch. Thanks so much for coming on, Leland. Again, I'm glad I found you because uh, well, you are uh, glad to missed. be
1: found, and uh, <laughs> it was good talking with you.
0: A uh, pleasure. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. All right. And that uh, moves me into the next segment of the program. I'm going to be speaking with Jenna Haig. Don't forget to download the app at the 850 WFTL app. You could do it at our website. You could do it on your app store. And then you could have heard my latest podcast, two this week. I put out two this week. So you can, uh, you know, jog to it. You can work out on your uh, Peloton instead of with those jazzy gals in leotards. You can put it on, and pr- trust me, you'll get mad enough to pedal fast. I'll be right back. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. I um I have been invited on. Uh, we're in the midst of crazy season here with politics and everything else, but uh, I met a young woman a couple of, I guess it was almost a year ago, who I was so impressed with, who she had decided she was going to run for District 96, the State House seat. And, uh, and, and I've followed carefully how her campaign has been going, and she's a powerhouse. I mean, she is definitely um, what we need in the Florida State House. Jenna Hague is her name. The website is jennahague.com. That's H A G U E. Jenna, how are you?
2: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's a pleasure, and I, I like I said, I've been sort of tracking you, not stalking you. I don't go around to your <laughs> appearances, and uh, but I have been tracking, and I'm so impressed with your, first of all, your energy. It's not like it's the only thing you have to do.
2: No, it's definitely not. I have my, my two kids, my husband, work, but it's important, and when something is important, then you put all your energy into it.
0: Right. And you're not a politician, which is, of course, makes it twice as difficult because you have to conduct yourself in political circles. But everywhere I go, I hear nothing but positive things about you. Um, What has it been like on the campaign trail and what what's what's it looking like? It's been
2: really interesting. You know, I mean, I started this, like you said, about a year ago and a year ago, nobody knew who I was. And a lot of people actually said to me, you're starting this so early, you know, are you going to get burnt out? But now here we are in primary season. And I have to say, I'm really glad I started a year ago because Mm -hmm. now I'm getting into where it's time that the rubber meets the road for, for my campaign. And I've gained a lot of grassroots support because for the past year, people have gotten to know me not as a politician, but as a person. And I think that has made all the difference. Um, I've met amazing people. It's probably also one of the hardest things that I've ever done. Um, but as long as I stay true to myself, then I think everything's going to turn out well. Um, The reception from people has been really, really good. We've been knocking doors and just talking to people in the community, and they're ready for a change.
0: Yeah. Tell everybody where the district is, what communities you encompass.
2: So I have West Sunrise, West Tamarack, and West Coral Springs. And then I go all the way to the county line. So I have a lot of gators in my district, but Mm -hmm. uh, the majority of the population is actually in that small little Western strip of Broward County.
0: Mm-hmm. And, w- you know, w- who's running against, who's running in the democratic spot?
2: So there's an incumbent, his name is Dan Daly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say that we are polar opposites, like oil and water. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. But he's taking your, your campaign seriously because I have a friend who told me, you know, that, uh, that he thinks that... Uh, That he may be in trouble.
2: Listen, I hope he is taking me seriously, because I am very serious. I mean, I'm not a politician. And this is my first time ever running, but I'm putting everything into this. And, you know, when I go out, and I'm asking people to support me with their money and their time, um, and even just putting their name behind me, if I'm gonna do that, I have to give it my all. So mm-hmm. he should be worried because he needs to enjoy his seat for now because it's not going to be his after November.
0: I like that attitude. Now uh, you you're a mom, you're a wife, uh, you've you've had a successful. Uh, you know, you've done it all. You're the you're the self starter that made it, and and I think that that's that's important to let people know you've been involved. I think in the construction industry and in the real estate development industry, um, and that's a man's world for the most part. So you're not afraid to go up there with all these dudes.
2: No, not at all. So yeah, I've been in the construction development industry for almost 20 years. I'm a financial controller, but it is a man's world and it has been for a long time, but I have been on job site for, I'm the only woman and I have to be able to take control of a situation and work well with, um, and also that you get a lot more with honey than you do with vinegar. So you learn those traits in being in these very male dominated industries and I think that it is something I can definitely bring with me to Tallahassee.
0: What are the biggest issues for you?
2: So the number one issue for me honestly is education. Mm-hmm. Being a mom and I have two children. My oldest is 11, my youngest is 3, and my oldest for last school year didn't have a school to attend for the first 4 years of the uh, the first 4 weeks of the school year. Um I think that the dollars should absolutely follow the student rather than them just going automatically to the public schools. Public school doesn't work for every child. And at the end of the day, we talk about we want the best future for our children. Then why are we putting them into a cookie cutter box? It should be that we give the best education for that child that that child needs. Um, uh, And then the other thing, too, is, you know, let's let's be real. Let's Mm -hmm. be very honest and let's get rid of all of the um, corruption that has gone on in Broward County for a long time. I mean, be able to stand up for what you believe in instead of creating a narrative. And that is one thing my opponent definitely likes to create a narrative. And if I don't agree with something, I don't like it. I'm just going to outright say, no, I, I don't I don't believe in this. I don't agree with it. I'm not going to try to create a narrative around it so that there's a false sense of what legislation is.
0: Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, the, it's a Republican legislature right now, which is a great thing because, you uh, you know, they support and back our governor. Now, I I think, you know, for a while I'd heard some rumors that Governor DeSantis, you know, was going to appoint you to some position or other, and I had hoped that, uh, you know, that 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 might happen. But in, in effect, I think he knows a good candidate when he sees one. And so running to have somebody who can back him up in the state house is pretty valuable.
2: Yeah, you know, there was definitely talk about an appointment to a position. Um, I actually personally decided to withdraw my name from it um, because I decided to run for state house specifically because I wanted to be able to affect change and help back our governor up and things that would affect the entire state. And the position that was up for appointment, while it's a very, very, very important position, it was not what I originally set out to do. And I didn't want to just try to take the easy road. I wanted to continue to what I set out to do in the beginning.
0: hmm no, I I knew your reasoning and I you know, I think uh, that, that it's very important. I, I I want people out there who live in District ninety six to understand that um Jenna Hague is is, is a, a patriot. She is, uh, st- has never disappointed me in terms of whatever she has said, she has honored that. She's been speaking at the school board, you know, and, and she goes up there and it's the same old stuff. Nobody pays attention. Nobody cares. Nobody listens to her, but it doesn't, she doesn't give up. And that's what we need in the state house. We need somebody who's going to represent us and, and not give up just because things don't go their way the first time. Um, plus, she wears the best shoes ever. <laughs> Thank you. had to throw that in those red white and blue heels of the you know when I first met you I thought that blew me away um I certainly wish I you, love them yeah I know you do I, I want them is, <laughs> is the truth but uh you know we do live in the free state of Florida but we need representation here in Broward County this is a blue county man and it's a it's it's a drag uh, because it, it determines things like school board and sheriff's departments. And uh, maybe the only representation we'll have, the only way we can get a message to the governor is through our state house and state senate. So consider supporting Jenna. You can go to the website, it's com and all the information is there. Get involved in the campaign if you have time then donate your time, knock on doors, make phone calls. If you have money, donate money. No campaign can be successful without funding. And if you just need some answers, then you can get them right there at the website. Jenna, thank you so much. You know, keep me in the loop, all right?
2: I will. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You take care now. All right, and that um, I'm done with my guests for today, which is a good thing, because I have to tell you, I'm, I'm looking at uh, a, an article that has me very upset, very upset. You know, I'm not talked about the Hunter Biden stuff much, because it's so disgusting that I don't even know how you can tell the story on the air. I, I really don't. I remember when Bill Clinton got in all kinds of trouble. It was very difficult for broadcasters. We weren't allowed to say what was going on in that Oval Office, you know, the term that one would normally use for the uh, act that took place in there, we weren't allowed to say it. I know people who lost their job over saying it. And, uh, you know, I would definitely lose my job if I repeated some of the things that are on the uh, most recent uh, discoveries from Hunter Biden. So I I don't know how to talk about it. You know, I really don't. But I do know how to talk about the, um, the voicemail from the president that we have now discovered because I think it's relevant. And I also do know how to talk about Ted Cruz, who apparently uh, might be about to take a turn for the left in an area where, uh, you know, I have some real questions and maybe I'll try to get him on the show, but it's about antitrust. Anyway, uh, lots more to talk about. Don't forget coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino at 4 o'clock, the one and only Ben Shapiro, and then the news at 6 o'clock with WPTV. And Jen and Bill be back in the morning to wrap up this uh, week. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. Yeah. So uh, the 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 all this information that's come out about the uh, behavior of one Hunter Biden is really just uh, it's just disgusting. Is what it is. I mean, there's no other word for it. Other than disgusting. I mean, videotape of him, you know, fondling himself and, and arguing over crack. And, you know, first and foremost, you, you have to ask yourself who films this stuff? I mean, you got to be like, this is the guy that Joe Biden said is the smartest man he knows. You got to be out of your mind. Um, and of course, there's no way to escape from the conclusion now that the voicemail recording that they found on the laptop that has been reported by the New York Post and the Daily Mail says, hey, pal, it's dad. It's 815 on Wednesday night. If you get a chance, just give me a call. Nothing urgent. Just wanted to talk to you. And then he says, uh, you know, uh, I thought the article released online. It's going to be printed tomorrow in the Times was good. I think you're clear. And anyway, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. Now, this may not sound like it's uh, dispositive on the first glance, but come on, guys. It certainly means he knows what's going on. He knew there were some business dealings with a Chinese investor because that's what the article is about. If you read the book uh, Secret Empires uh, that uh, Schweitzer wrote, if you read his, you know, newest book, you understand that Hunter Biden wasn't just casually and and slightly involved in all these deals in China, Ukraine, you know, you name an enemy, he was there. And 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 to think that the Department of Justice is not even curious, it's only because the Treasury Department you know, Uh, placed an interpretation that you can still own stock in companies that were placed on a blacklist by the previous administration, by Donald Trump. But, you know, short of that, the Biden administration is, is doing everything it can to make it easy on China. Why? Why is that? Zero concessions from the Chinese government, by the way. Well, if you look at this stuff that's coming out from Hunter Biden, you know why. Because this kid, they have so much dirt on this kid and on his family, which includes the now president of the United States, who at the time was the vice president of the United States. It's not a good look. Trust me, it's not a good look. And the Democrats, I think they're excited and happy because they're trying to figure out how they get out from under Joe Biden as he, you know, disintegrates before our very, before the world's very eyes. Well, here's their, uh, this will be their way out. You know. He's he's up to his eyeballs in in corruption. Uh, But it's Ted Cruz I'm worried about today. And I saw an article by Robert Bork Jr., the judge's uh, son. And Senator Cruz, along with um, four other Republicans, joined with Amy Klobuchar, the Democrat, in this Innovation and Choice Online Act that was coming out of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And the word on Capitol Hill is that Chuck Schumer has now promised that this antitrust bill, which really takes aim at big tech, will get a floor vote this month. And if Ted Cruz maintains his support for this bill, he could bring some other like-minded Republicans with him and send this bill, which is a progressives dream come true, to the president's desk where it will get signed. Is he, you know... Why would a conservative Texas Republican support a progressive antitrust legislation? Is he mad enough to swing a wrecking ball at Silicon Valley? Because shortly before voting to move the bill out of committee, He said, the pervasive censorship of conservatives by Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms is malicious and it is brazen. Silicon Valley keeps getting worse and worse because no matter how egregious they get with censorship, they've discovered there are seemingly no limits and very few downsides to engaging in their self-declared role as the arbiters of what is allowed to be said and what is not allowed to be said. So he admitted that the bill he's voting to move along would not even address big tech censorship, and it would just provide him with an opportunity to add an amendment. If he follows through on this, he'll be playing, uh, you know, he'll be like the Wiley e. Coyote, and Amy Klobuchar will be the roadrunner. Because this is going to subject American businesses to a centralized control that literally might just as well be socialism. It's going to institutionalize walk- wokeness and censorship, and it could actually expose the private data of millions of Americans to the Chinese communist regime. And if you think I'm, you know, being grandiose about this, her bill would subject a growing number of businesses to death penalty fines of 15% of revenues for violating vague, poorly defined red lines. According to Senator Tom Cotton, the bill includes language that could catch up a lot of other firms that are nothing like these social media companies, potentially treating Kroger or Piggly Wiggly or Home Depot with the same kind of antitrust restrictions that we expect on Facebook, Apple, or Google. It would give progressive regulators infinite excuses to target a company or an executive at will it would create so many new mechanisms for government control of businesses that C-suite wokeness and ideological intolerance could easily be enforced by the FTC chairwoman, Lena Kahn. Ironically, if Ted Cruz, who's angry over censorship, enables the Klobuchar bill to become law, the the result will actually be the worsening of content moderation discrimination, which I call censorship. It would force big tech companies that do business with third parties like Amazon's Marketplace for small sellers to share access to their operating systems and software systems and hardware. Perversely, it may actually entrench the very four companies at which it's aimed. It'll, it's just, it's insane. And I don't know, Ted Cruz is smart. I don't know what's on his mind, but he's going to have to do, he, he, explain it to me, Teddy. For favor, explain it to me. Because this is not a bill you should put your name on. Absolutely not. And believe me, I'm sick of censorship too, but this is not the right vehicle to combat it. But uh, we'll find out more. Uh, And that pretty much wraps me up for today. Don't forget, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters. Compared to what lies within us, so wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken, and uh, you know, anybody who knows anything about these, you know, d- d- transgendered kitten problems that I'm having is if anybody just shoot me an email. It's at, joyceradio at gmail.com because I'm just I'm so confused. I, uh, my 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 little girl is really my little boy, and I, I just I'm um, I'm so confused. Anyway. <laughs> I thank you for your time this time, and I will be back tomorrow. So uh, you just stay positive, and may God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America, and explain to me what uh, Transgendered Kitten is really all about.